as you often hear me say on this podcast, at the end of the day, this is a business. It is the business of music. And as with any business, there are rules to the road, rules to the game in order to get ahead. Welcome to Musically Speaking, the podcast with your hosts, Lewis and Pedro, where we discuss all things music, the business of music, and making your mark as an independent artist. We're glad you're here. So let's get this show started. All right. Welcome to another episode of Musically Speaking, the podcast. My name is Pedro. And my name is Lewis. What's going on? Everything is going all right. We are continuing our Independent Artist Month of, of September. Yeah! My favorite month. And that we want to discuss a pretty a pretty heavy topic, but also very important. And it, it's all about kind of publishing and, and getting to know your worth as, as an independent artist, especially if you're making or creating music. And for those who are fans of music, understanding how that works and how you can support artists in in that way as well. Yep, yep. This reminds me of kind of the what they say, the boring stuff, kind of the the background stuff, the stuff that has to get done though, right? So it's like think of it like 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 homework, right? You know, when you go to college, you go to high school, and uh, you have fun in class. You get to spend time with your classmates and be creative and and talk and and learn new things. But then you got to go home and do this homework and submit these assignments and dot your eyes and cross your T's. Well, this is kind of that world for an artist. Correct. And, and at the end of the day, you you want to get you want to get paid. You want to yeah. You want to make you yeah. You want to make money for what you do, but you have to do it the right way. And we've already heard from. Uh, so many major artists, right? Uh, horror stories about how they sign mm-hmm. away their rights and they make these, you know, wacky record deals and all kinds of funky stuff. And this is because the folks who understood this process uh, took advantage of the talent. Yeah, and those folks are the ones who take their business seriously, right? This really separates the professional artist from the novice artist. The professional artists from the hobby artists, those who are just looking for notoriety or for fame, just want their music heard, as opposed to those artists who want those things, but they want to be paid. They want to be compensated. And as you often hear me say on this podcast, at the end of the day, this is a business. It is the business of music. And as with any business, there are rules to the road, rules to the game in order to get ahead. Correct. And uh, we're really going to dive deep into what is going to be music publishing you now, Lewis? You have a lot of this knowledge. I'm just going to kind of guide you along on this conversation because uh, one, you are deep in it. You are a publisher. You are a producer, and you get royalties for your work. So you are involved in this pretty heavy. Oh, yeah. You're going to be able to really define what that looks like. But music publishing is something that even people who are in the music business aren't too familiar with. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, they, they they let others kind of do that for them. And it's always good to really be in the know. So I think the first step of, to this is really understanding uh, what is music publishing and what is copyright and then go from there. All right. So we'll start with copyright because really that that is the basis where everything kind of flows from. So to put it really simple, right, copyright is uh, a set of rights that you own as a uh, someone who's penned a song 
wrote a poem, created some type of musical composition. The minute you lay down your song or idea on a piece of paper, you record it on your phone, or you take it to the next level and you jump into a studio and record it, voila, you have become a copyright owner. You own these set of rights. You own the right to exploit that song, to publish it, to record it, to reproduce it. It belongs to you. And when you create a copyright, let's say on a piece of paper or a piece of napkin, that's great, right? That That's the first step. But copyrights have no value until you exploit them. And when I say exploit, usually you, you, you say exploit is a bad word, right? But in the music business, it is a great word, it is a good word to exploit your copyright. So exploiting means you are recording and releasing it. You're placing it with another artist or you a label loved your song and they want to send it, you know, they want to record it for one of their artists. You place your song on a TV or a film opportunity or you sign a publishing deal. So those are ways you can exploit that copyright so you can make money from it. And you will always hear that the copyright owner is golden. That's where the money's at. That is where, uh, that's why songwriters, think of it this way, they make the most money. And you wonder why they have the biggest, you know, why in the group they, they have the biggest mansion and they have the best cars and, and they're the most famous is because they're, they're making the most money because they understood that the copyright is the core of all things, of all wealth in the music business. And that's why it's protected so vigorously. Copyright is, uh, is key. And just to add to that, you don't necessarily need to be in front of the camera to be a successful copywriter, right? That's right. So uh, a big name that's out there, and you probably heard it a million times, is Max Martin. You know, this is somebody that has probably penned and helped create a gazillion pop hits. Yep. Backstreet Boys, probably Insane, heard... Britney Spears, all of them, yeah. Yeah, and and they're behind, you know, he's behind a lot of that, and he probably owns a copyright to thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of songs and melodies. Oh, yeah. So And Diane, Diane that, Warren's another one. Yeah, so it's important to keep in mind that you might be a creative force, but you don't have to necessarily be the person to push the product. Right. And you you can be involved in that process as well, and a lot of people... Are, are kind of those kinds of guys. They, they're behind the scenes, but they're really putting forth a lot of that work. It used to be that the producer was kind of always in the background, and that's been, it's different now. But those are those are big, important parts to, to remember there, that exploiting the music, in this case, is a good thing. It doesn't always necessarily have to be the person who's also singing and performing Correct. as well. Correct. You can make a really good living just writing songs, and uh, there are many examples of that. Obviously, you want to register your copyright with the U.S. Uh, Library of Congress. Basically, you go to www.copyright.gov, um, and there you'll be able to register your works. Um, there are a couple of tricks. Uh, we'll probably go into another episode. I'm actually writing an ebook on a way to save money on, on uh, registering your copyrights. There's a couple of tricks to doing that, so look out for that. But in addition to protecting yourself and registering your copyright, I also want to dispel a myth. So there's been this talk about what they call poor man's copyright. And that's the act of, uh, you know, you not registering your song with the U.S. Library of Congress, but basically recording something on a CD or a cassette, sealing it in an envelope, mailing it to yourself. And then when you receive it, you don't open it. It has a postmark on it. And if, you know, God forbid, ever comes a day where you need to defend 
or protect your copyright, you can go to court of law and say, hey, okay, here's an unopened postage which you know tells you what date I mailed it to myself and what date I created it, and this will protect me. So that is a huge myth um, that does not work well in in the in the court of law. Um, so don't you know don't take that shortcut. You know definitely invest the uh, the time and the money to to register your copyrights because it is that important. Yes, and I think that that's something that we need to stress to anybody who is an artist and is working to get to that point is there is an investment involved. There is a cost involved. So you have to also set yourself in, in a way where you can budget for these types of things as well. Yeah, it's part of your uh, part of your process. I mean, again, like I said in the beginning, if, if you're taking your, your music seriously and you have, uh, you have goals and expectations and places and heights that you want to reach, do the grunt work. Do the work up front so that you don't pay the heavy negative cost on the back end. It's worth the effort. And it's important to kind of let everybody know that there's kind of two separate types of copyright. So it's not all encompassing. Mm -hmm. There is the composition itself, what what the music and the lyrics, that part is is a, a copyright in itself. So in other words, uh, to be a little more simple, uh, I wrote a song and I know the melody and I know what it what it's supposed to sound like. But then there's the recording, and I am a terrible singer, so I give it to you, Louis, to lay it down and and make make my what I ever had in my head a reality. That's the second part. Right. So there's, that's, yeah, that's called the sound recording. Correct. So that's something that we all you, you folks need to realize that there's two parts to the publishing piece. It's it's whatever you wrote, the lyrics and all that good stuff, and if you write sheet music and the notes, that's part. And the other one is actually laying down the sound. Yeah, think of it of like like a record label. So, you know, you are a songwriter. You pen that song, like you said. You submitted it. The record label loves it. They grab their artist. They have their artist record it. And now that recording is its own copyright. And that's what's called the sound recording. And those are usually owned by the artist or label. Correct. Yeah. And so before independent artists and, and this whole internet thing really took off, that's usually how it was, Right. You have some talent, you get signed by a label, and then the label provided you the ability to go to the studio and all that stuff. But you were the you know you were the first half of that right. piece, the compositions and things like that. And there's as time has evolved and as in the internet age has evolved, most folks are both now, right? They're creating the music, they have their home studios, they're creating their music, they're doing all that stuff on their own. It gives them a lot more freedom, but also they get to they get to keep the whole pie. It's not split 50-50, yeah. so it's great. Money, money, money. Yeah. Now, it doesn't hurt to get involved with a label, and we always talk about label versus not label, but the parts of the, the of having a label, like we've always talked about, Lewis, is that they have the ability to provide you with the means to get more money that would have been hard because you're doing all the work yourself. I mean, they own, they have publishing arms. They have the staff to handle that, to handle the admin side and to, and to really to exploit it, you know, to really maximize that copyright to make the most money off of it as possible, you know, in all types of forms. They're the ones who really push to, you know, for record sales, for, for TV and, and film opportunities, for performance opportunities. So that's where all that money can, kind of gets, gets generated. Yeah. And that's a great segue to, okay. I copywritten my song. I'm set up. I'm registered. The song is out there, or the music is out there. 
Now, where does the money come from? Who has to pay me, right? Right. And, and and that's important because there's a lot more avenues than there used to be. It was very simple. Uh, there was the radio station piece. There was the performance piece. You know, you do a concert, whatever. And then there was obviously selling the product, vinyl, tape, whatever. And there's way more than that now. Yeah. So Vis-a-vis online, vis-a-vis YouTube. <laughs> it's a whole new yeah, world. Yeah, and, and, and Lewis, you can speak to this a little bit. I mean, from your own personal experience... You are, you, you know, you're a music publisher. Besides the obvious ones, CDs, MP3s, there's a bunch of other ways that you can collect royalties, and 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 they're not as obvious as you think, right? I mean, there's there's uh, network and cable TV where somebody's playing your song on a commercial or something like that, right? Uh, internet radio is a good one. Uh, Extreme Mix Radio, guys, got a plug there. They, they, they have to pay. To play these songs they don't do it for free absolutely that's right so when i'm playing you know and i'm doing my show the top 10 edm countdown and we play your song and the fans vote for that they're helping you get paid <laughs> you know so that's important i think that that's a piece that a lot of people don't really talk too much about when it comes to internet radio or even a facebook dj or something like that right they don't they don't get kicked off because somebody said that they're playing their songs unauthorized being paid. So when it comes to that world, we're talking about, um, you know, collecting on those rights. So there's two type of revenue streams. There's mechanical rights, right? And that's for the physical sale of your music. That's CDs, cassettes, vinyl, and the like, right? And then there's the performing rights. Now, the performing rights is more encompassing. Performing rights includes, of course, you know, TV, film, streaming, uh, radio play, uh, performances, live concerts, those kind of things, anything where your song is performed, where it can be heard, those are performing rights. So there are companies that collect for you when those rights are 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 being exploited. So on the performing rights side, think of performing rights P, think of pros. It's performing rights organizations. And to be clear, these are the folks that are collecting money on your behalf whenever your music that is copywritten and published, is played on terrestrial satellite radio, network cable TV, internet radio, streaming, live venues. These these folks are your friends. Now, th- there's a caveat to this, right? So you say, okay, well, how do, you know, what if what if I have, I've never joined one of the pros? I've never joined ASCAP or BMI or CSAC or Sound Exchange. How, how do they know to collect my money? Well, those radio stations, those... TV or film companies have to register with those with those pros with music that they're 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 playing right so if Joe Schmo has a song that's playing on Hot 97 in New York Hot 97 has the responsibility to submit what we call cue sheets and cue sheets contain songwriter information publisher information everything that the radio station needs uh, in order to register with the pro now is your job as an artist to recognize that you may have money sitting on the table. You should be registered with one of these companies so that you can collect any money that's that's due to you from a performance right uh, license. So it is in your best interest to join an ASCAP or a BMI or a CSAC or a Sound Exchange. And they not only collect in the U.S., but they collect worldwide. Your music can be playing in Japan. You never know it. 
Right. And I, I think you made an excellent point right there is that when you sign up to one of these pros, it is your responsibility or your manager, somebody affiliated with your camp to make sure that you're checking in to make sure that that's happening. These pros are not going to come to you and knock on your door. They're responsible for millions of people performing. So you, you got to be on top of it. There's different benefits to signing up with ASCAP or BMI or CSAC. One of the cool things about these pros, they're not only in the business of collecting your royalties, but they offer workshops. They offer opportunities for you to collaborate with other writers who are assigned to them. There's a wealth of resources they provide, workshops, webinars, bunch of good stuff. ASCAP, for example, they have a annual music conference that's huge that they do every year in LA that you can participate in. So joining a pro is, is not only beneficial in collecting your royalties, but a wealth of knowledge and resources at your fingertips. Yeah. So consider it an investment to your work. You know, just because you're putting this money down to get yourself paid, they're also giving you an opportunity to really learn more and really get yourself involved. And remember, I think anybody who's in the music business that is making any sort of money is registered. And that means that they're probably providing information that could be very useful. So take advantage. Uh, the more you know, the more you grow. So very, very important for anybody. If you're listening to this and you're like, man, this seems like very heavy. Uh, this is a very important. You need to get in the business side of things to be able to really take advantage of the performance side. Yeah, man. And I've had no regrets. I've had great experiences with ASCAP. I know a couple of friends of mine who are signed with BMI. And there's a new company on the scene right now called Sound Exchange. And really, Sound Exchange kind of came on the scene with the whole growth of, you know, tracking YouTube plays and the YouTube videos and streaming. Um, so they've been really kind of uh, on top of their game regarding that. I have some friends of mine who courted music early 2000s and recently just joined Sound Exchange and found a ton of unclaimed royalties due to them because of Sound Exchange's work on the background on tracking, you know, YouTube plays, for example. And they've collected large sums of money um, that were sitting just waiting for them to claim. So that's just another example of how important it is to kind of be on top of your business and, and kind of, you know, turn over every un, you know, unturned stone. Yeah. And a question for you, Lewis. I mean, you say you're, you're, you're a member of ASCAP, but th does it make sense for an artist perhaps to uh, maybe join a more than one music pro? For example, maybe uh, ASCAP is a little bit more traditional, but you are really on the internet side of things and you're really pushing uh, a, a younger crowd that maybe SoundExchange might be able to find money for you. Or what, what do you think people should should do? Should they just find the one that works for them and stick to that? Or should you join more than one? Sound exchange is a different beast, right? Sound exchange is specifically, they collect on, on, on streaming royalties, streaming online royalties. So it's YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, uh, those, those type of streaming, um, opportunities. The, the major pros, which is ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, you can only be a member of one because what they do is they, they, they globally register you and they're the ones who track and collect for you on a global basis. You can't be a member of BMI and also be a member of ASCAP. You, you have to be one. And this also brings up the whole discussion. Well, which one do I choose? Right? Do I go with ASCAP? Do I go with BMI? Do I go with CSAC? And that's really a personal decision. Uh, you, there's a lot of research involved and there are a few things you should consider based on what type of resources you're looking for. You may have a major 
office. ASCAP has an office in Miami, has in New York. BMI is huge in Nashville. So it, it depends on you know where you're based at. That can drive your choice into what pro you want to be a part of, but you can only be part of one. Okay, so that's important. That's a, a good, I mean, there's a question that obviously somebody who's, who's not involved should know. But for those out there, if you are looking to sign up, then you should probably look through pros and cons. And I think you mentioned a good piece about location. If something's close to you, and I would kind of go within that direction because there might be the resources that you might need. You can go and visit them and or if the, there's conferences nearby. So exactly. uh, definitely do your homework exactly. and research since you can only sign up to one and make sure that it works for you for, you, for what you are trying to do. Uh, I know that uh, it's a lot, again, to delve into. Lewis. I know you're working on having some sort of uh, reading material that folks can kind of tap into yep. if they want to kind of dive in a little bit deeper. I mean, our show notes will have something, but you are working on, on some sort of reading material that folks can kind of tap into, right? Yep, absolutely. So stay tuned for that. I think the one last thing that I want to point out and ask you about a little bit is that there are different types of publishing deals. Uh, you can you can kind of uh, get involved with a, a publishing deal based on, on different types of things, right? Uh, whether it's just a, a deal for just one song that you're part of or if you're kind of just a, a writer, you just write a bunch of lyrics. I mean, tell me more about that. Yeah, I mean, publishing is interesting. So publishing, I, I the best way I can explain it, publishing is the record label for the songwriter, right? So you're an artist, your goal is to get signed to a record label. You are a songwriter, your goal is to get signed to a publishing deal. Basically, publishing companies, they join forces with songwriters and work to exploit their songs in order to get them placements either with TV and film, placements with the artist who's working on their new album. Publishing deals are, are hard to get, just like a record deal is hard to get for an artist. You really have to have a lot of clout in the game, a lot of experience. Hopefully you've had, you know, some popular or successful songs in the market uh, in order to get a publishing deal. If, if, if you're lucky, it's great. You know, I was fortunate enough to get a publishing deal with Peer Music. They're based out of Miami and Los Angeles. I signed what they call a single song deal. Actually, I had about 15 songs that were signed to them, you know, single songs. But basically what happens is if you do a single song deal, and those are probably easier to get, right? So a publishing company says, you know what? I love your writing. I love this particular song. I think we can do something with the song. We have a couple of projects that we're going to pitch it to. So let's go ahead and sign this song. We'll see how it goes. If we can get it placed and there's some success, then we can look at moving to the next step. Those are pretty not not too hard to get and like i said it depends on if you have good material right there's also the what they call the staff writer deal now the staff writer deal is the aha moment for any publishing deal that's that's where you want to aim for that's when a publishing company says you know what we believe in your skill we want to hire you onto our team we want you to be a songwriter for us we're going to give you an advance because we believe that much in you and we want you to write write for us. That means we're going to send you, if we know that, you know, Ariana Grande is working on her new album, we're going to put you in touch with her team and you're going to go do some songwriting sessions with them. We just picked up a movie deal. They're looking for this specific kind of song. I'm going to send you over there so you can write some songs for them. You get paid to be a staff songwriter. That's your nine to five job. That is heaven. That's where all all songwriters want to be. Now, just to be you know honest here, it isn't always gravy. 
there is such a thing as a bad publishing deal. So we wanted to share a recent interview conducted by our good friend DJ Payne One. He interviewed Grammy-winning producer Street Runner, who talked about his six-figure publishing deal and why he regretted it. So check this out. Co-pub deals don't grow on trees, you know what I'm saying? Like, you gotta get hot, you gotta, you gotta have some kind of buzz, some kind of situation. They used to sign uh, acts and artists and producers and writers just off the strength of talent. Like, yo, this, this guy, this guy makes fire, sign him. But now they sign based off numbers. Because through the early, mid-2000s, they were doing $500,000, $800,000 pub deals. And they saw that they weren't coming up from it. Maybe if that guy came up with a hit, they would break even, but they weren't coming up. Some of these publishers were taking L's. So what it is basically is, um, you know, you get you get into a co-pub deal from the interest of a record you produced, you wrote, or you sang on or rapped on. So basically, like, that shit gets you high, and all of a sudden, like, these publishers, all of them, they go and see, like, if you're on the charts, if you're on Billboard charts, if you're charting, if you're a chart top or whatever the fuck you're doing, these publishers are looking and checking and seeing Who's the writers? Who's involved in the song? Are they in a pub deal? It's all very easy to look up. As soon as they figure out, like, yo, this guy, this guy's available, this guy's free, this guy's not in a pub deal, boom. That's that's the guy that they go after. They they, they start to work and see if they can sign up. You know, a co-publishing deal is is a deal that usually comes with a, a decent size advance, if not a bigger advance than, than normal. Uh, it's a 50-50 share or split on your publishing. You know what I'm saying? So any publishing share that you get, it's 50-50 split. Now, if you're advanced 100 grand, 200 grand, 300 grand, your half that you get goes towards recoupment. So you're not gonna see any money from any music you make until you pay back your, your advance. So for the most part, that's the co-pub deal. And depending on how good your lawyer is, is how little you'll be raped. But no matter what, you're gonna get raped. And then there's the admin deal. Now the admin deal is more, you're hiring a publishing company like you would a lawyer, right? So you hire the publishing company because you placed a song. Let's say you had a relationship with a, with a, a movie director and they approach you and say, hey, you know, we want to use this song. So you sign you sign an admin deal with the publisher so that they can protect you, so that they can register your song for you. They'll do all the admin paperwork. They'll do all the collecting worldwide. They'll represent you um, and, and you're using them as a tool. Um, and those are really easy to get because, you know, they're they're going to make they're going to take a, a cut from doing that, just like an attorney would. As an artist, if you're at that level where you have great relationships already with, you know, a major artist or a major indie artist who's about to blow up or with a filmmaker, you just don't want to agree verbally and kind of make that work. You want to protect yourself. So it's important to think about that. You know, if you want to hire an attorney to look over paperwork or if you want to sign an admin deal with a with a publisher, they're really open to doing that. So those are really the three kind of deals that that you will see for publishing. And like I said, the the top of the top of the mountain is staff writer. Um, the, the foot in the door is a single song deal, and of course, admin deal is just kind of you know just just your 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 regular protection. And and that's for folks who perhaps like myself are not necessarily indie artists per se in the world of 
getting yourself uh, performing, but maybe you are someone who likes to write music or likes to write melodies or is interested in kind of being in the business in some sort of way, you should really dive into this and really get to know more about that. Uh, and, and, and Lewis will probably have a moment to talk a little bit more about kind of how those single song deals work. We maybe we'll do another podcast on that and kind of get your experience on it because that's, a, a, like you said, the way to get your foot in the door. So maybe there's some things that we can discuss in more details on, on how your experience was and how what folks might expect if they want to pursue Yeah, that. yeah, that'd be fun to talk about, absolutely. And I hope everyone got a chance to really learn something new. I mean, I sure did. Um, I was already looking to sign up to BMI and ASCAP and probably going to get kicked out of the music business. But see, we 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 all <laughs> learned something new. There's a lot to dive into. We really encourage you to listen to this a few times and give us some feedback. What do you think? Did you learn something? Did you what 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 did we cover that we should have gone more into detail? And I hope you really enjoyed this. I mean, we're going to we're, we're having a lot of fun with this uh, indie artist month, so the most important thing is understanding the back end of it, understanding how do you make your money? How do you um, increase your opportunities for revenue? How do you increase your opportunities to get a publishing deal or to get a record deal? Um, you know, these are the things that you have to have in place that record labels are going to look for, that publishing companies are going to look for. Do you have your ducks in a row? How serious are you about your music business? You know, it's very important that that you approach it that way. I absolutely agree. And we look forward to, again, getting you guys your, your feedback, letting us know what you think. And make sure you check out uh, the website, www.musicallyspeakingpodcast.com for the show notes. We will try to get as much information in there as possible. We usually like to put some links in there so you can go straight to websites that we talked about here on the show, some of the organizations. So you can check them out and maybe save you a couple couple clicks. But again, uh, this was a lot of fun, man. I really enjoyed this session, and this was very Ted talky, like you know. We <laughs> yeah. really got it. We, we really dove deep in there. So uh, again, lots of fun, and I hope that you all learned something while listening. Yes, sir. All right. Well, we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to Musically Speaking with your hosts, Lewis and Pedro. 